0: For July 31st, 2023, it's the Overthinking It Podcast, episode 787. What marks the spot? Overthinking it, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are your smart, funny friends from the internet. Are we? I don't know. Is that an obnoxious (laughs) thing to say? I mean, we're your friends. I guess we're from the internet. We're your friends from the internet. Um someone you know someone once once wrote me uh, oh by the way I'm Matt that's Pete it's a two-hander uh Woo-hoo. so here's my story uh someone once wrote me and and uh some like uh literal minded internet person uh wrote some feedback and was like stop calling yourselves our smart funny friends from the internet i've never met you before you're not actually my friend
1: you know what i i respect that i 100% <laughs> respect
0: that it's just it's pointless yeah. pointless literalism i mean okay uh, but i feel friendly Towards you, I feel friendly towards our listeners. That's, that's
1: not the point, Matt. They're not telling you that. They're, they're setting a boundary for themselves, <laughs> which is important. Who, who would resist being sucked into a toxic parasocial relationship yeah. with someone as charming and uh, effervescent as you or I?
0: Right? <laughs> bless, bless <laughs> you for saying so, Pete. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that so much. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to channel Jonah Hill too much here, but yeah, you know, that's a boundary for me. Okay, yeah. like you yeah. can, uh, you can write in your letters about how I'm not your friend, but you have to do it with another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know. So then, then like, the film Bodies, Bodies, Bodies uh, came out, and one of the characters played by the actress, Rachel Sennett, um... Uh, is meant to be kind of an obnoxious parody of a like millennial podcaster uh, or Gen Z podcaster, I suppose. And, and, uh and she's like, and everyone's like, Oh, we don't like to listen to your podcast. And she's like, why? It's like hanging out with your smartest, funniest friend. And, uh, uh, Belinky, I think like DM'd me and was like, did this person hear our slogan? And is this like a direct knock on yeah. us? And I, it's like, no, we're not, we're not the, of the dozens of people who listen to our podcast, I don't think one of them wrote that, uh, wrote that film. But like, is that, you know, I don't know, is that how we want to identify? I think of you as my, my smart, funny friend, Pete, and the, the other, uh, the other pirates in the overthinking of pirate ship. But like, uh, I, you know, I don't know if that's how we want to really go out there to the world. What else would we call ourselves?
1: Well, I know? mean, yeah. I mean, I guess I, I hear what you're saying because I went when I was at a conference recently. I got a talk from a tech blogger uh, who calls herself your nerdy best friend, and then I was like, oh well, that phrase is done, right? Like, yep. like we're going to have to come with yeah. What else would we call ourselves? What? Well, how would we? What other tagline would we use? Maybe there was like, are there any like Unicode symbols that aren't really being used <laughs> a lot? <of> <laughs> like like an enye she would just call herself no that we're not spanish that wouldn't make sense We
0: did pete when you and i had when when we and we almost did this we almost uh launched it we were considering a um we were considering doing a nutrition and health or a health oriented sort of podcast i mean that was kind of counter-cultural i suppose to a lot of the the culture of health podcasts like at the time Yeah, yeah sure um that, uh, you know, and we considered calling it Nutra-hyphen. Yes. And it's like, I, I love it. It was, yeah, you can't, you came up with it. I will, you know, Pete, I don't care what anyone says about you. I will, go, no, I'm kidding. I'm teasing you. Um, <laughs> I, uh. What did they say about no, me? No, So, well, good. I'm glad you don't know. No, uh, Pete, I, among your many virtues is a better <laughs> way to, to, to start that, uh, sentence. Among your many virtues is a real excellence at brainstorming. And, uh, oh, you. you came up, uh, you came up with, um, a, a number of, of awesome titles. And we sort of settled on Nutra hyphen and and not like hyphen is part of the name you know yeah and uh the spelled out yeah, spelled out. yeah <laughs> exactly and that and then you could have like the Nutra hyphen podcast and the neutra hyphen blog it's like yep. wait isn't the Nutra hyphen podcast the like the Nutra podcast no 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 it's the, <laughs> the neutra hyphen podcast so hyphen was taken we tried we tried uh hyphen i wonder if do you know the little umbrella or maybe like the asterisk oh. could we could we become like uh, you know rather than a thinking cloud and your smart funny friends, could we become like the asterisk uh, you know maybe
1: do you think a tilt because if it's an asterisk uh-huh. then people might think stuff on our site might, might just show up as italic.
0: Yeah, if there's just point. a bunch
1: of asterisks it's that are in point, the yeah. code, so like maybe if we do an ampersand, we'll break half of the internet from 1998. Right, right, and then uh, so maybe a tilde. Or, or well, like- uh,
0: yeah, but a tilde, you see, if you type a tilde into Slack, for example, you get strike through text. It's a way of denoting oh. that you that you want to cross out what you're doing. Maybe it's dollar sign, but that makes us seem less like a podcast and more like an MLM.
1: Right, 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 right. If I only just thinking that I mean, Tilda, Tilda Swinton is condemning you every time she's <laughs> a tilde to do strikeout text.
0: Tilda. I would love to have the, the Tilda Swinton, the number, the internet's number one Tilda Swinton fan podcast. It's just called Tilda. And the oh, yeah. show art is just a, a giant, you know, uh, beautiful Tilda. Um, yep. Yeah, Pete, it, if we had a map. You know, I feel when I feel lost in perplexity, I sometimes wish there were a map with uh, some sort of symbol marking, you know, the end of my the end of my journey, the the end of the end of my peregrinations, the end of my searching. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and also at the same time, if if there was something that I wanted to replace. Right. I wish there was some way that I could take the old thing and like overlay some sort of graphical representation over it that would indicate that I'm not interested in anymore, right? Yeah. That it's been rejected, that it's been overruled in some way, right? That it's something I could just like put on top of it with like a pen, right, or, or a red marker or something yeah. that would give people that impression. But I can't begin to think no, what I, that, what that
0: would be. I can't also, if if I, I, I mean, what we're really talking about is making our podcast cooler. And if yes. there were some way, if there were some... You know way some sort of symbol or marking that denoted uh coolness you yes. know when used uh when used in 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 place of traditional orthography, you know, uh, yeah, in a like lot an
1: eye of- like Apple uses an eye to say like this thing is cool and expensive sure and like, i this and i that do you and it's not i mean is it really about Self-awareness or the, le- the, the, the concept of
0: self and to a degree, oh, right? I call it, I call it my information phone. I always assumed it was an abbreviation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. On my information phone. Yeah. I think there was some like, some like retconning of like the eye is information, but the eye is also identity and the eye is you and the eye is you, you know, uh, yeah, man. If I, I, I wish that that such a, such a, a symbol, such a mark existed.
1: Have you ever have you ever had to brand anything uh, that there were one of the ideas that's been present is to have it be the capital letter m, the lowercase letter y, the capital first letter of the thing and then like the thing. Have you oh. ever done one of those?
0: Yeah, so like my blog yeah, or something my blog. or There's my podcast, my pod. Right?
1: Yeah, it's like people come up with these things that are supposed to be kind of punchy and new and and kind of extra orthogonal or uh, orthographical not orthogonal right or, or orthographical Ex-
0: extra um, or uh, you know uh or put, orthographical Or yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like an, like an exciting, extreme, uh, right. Right.
1: Some sort of expressive, like if you had an owl living in a tree, but it was a cool (laughs) owl and it was like, it lived with a cat, but like the cat was kind of lame, but the owl was really cool. But you knew the cat was cool because the owl was his friend and like the owl wouldn't be his friend if he wasn't cool. And then it turns out he's actually pretty cool. And then his kid is even cooler. Like, if you I mean, had, like, what would you name that out? Well I, yeah
0: I've no idea look yeah. if I wanted to take a boring stayed holiday uh, yeah. like the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Christmas you know and yeah. make it and make it awesome yeah. make it a kind of anarchic, punk punk holiday
1: like as if the name christmas was too special to say right and you wanted to give it some sort of debasement that was also an exercise in rebellion yes
0: absolutely i don't know i don't know what i would i don't know what i would call that
1: i don't know i don't know what like like if if you were to try to divide a jug of hooch into three parts <laughs> like gall uh-huh. <laughs> and you wanted to come up with a symbol to denote each of the of the thirds of the jug of hooch right, right? some sort of signifier i mean this really gets to the this really gets to some real serious Derrida stuff about transcendental signifiers. I mean, what you know, what can you really – what is really the truth that you're referring to when you're referring to a third of a jug of hooch split up, suspended in the air? Do you have to freeze it first? Yeah. But yet I still feel compelled to think that it can't be one. It must be three. There must be three symbols, and and that would be the right way to do it. Not three eyes, not three my's, not three E's. Like e shop e hooch e yeah. e blog yeah no e
0: e e e e e no i i i no. no my 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 yeah. no it's I not do a- like
1: e state of the union that's a good movie
0: oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> how many of the letters do this like Gmail G unit so like G <laughs> those are those are related right sure and then there's there's what do they each mean so like we already talked about I which is like the Apple one and E which is the like electronic one like
0: email yeah email sure.
1: like e-commerce you sure. know e-tail and all that stuff uh-huh. um and then what there's um I, mean, I said my but that i mean that's uh that's two letters um and then what C. I well, like i mean no. does it
0: does it count like a team and b team that that's different oh. i think you know yeah
1: yeah 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 b b squad means something but it's not extra orthographical like right. the b is referring to something well I guess the i and iPhone is also referring to something specific but it seems like the universe of things that you could attach it to it has to be something in order for the prefix B with a dash to mean mm. something then it the, the subject matter has to fill in the blank of you're talking about something that might have a squad right uh-huh. so the B side right right um but you wouldn't say like the b diner that doesn't really that doesn't really scam right even though you might have no you you wouldn't say the b
0: the b games you know
1: yeah yeah you wouldn't say the b games you wouldn't you wouldn't well you would fly a b wing if you were boba fett uh you could say like e-games like
0: like e-sports e-games you know okay so e definitely belongs in the in the thing i uh, as we've done but we still haven't we still haven't uh really landed on our landed on on our letter on the spot (laughs) what what marks the spot pete what (laughs) marks the spot
1: you want to? Can I tell you about magma blogs, blobs, Matt, magma blobs? I'd
0: rather you tell me about magma blogs.
1: <laughs> Let me tell you about magma blogs. Let me tell you about magma blobs, man. This is something I found out about it just today. I did not know it existed. And this is all related. And those of you who are paying attention know full well what pop culture thing we are talking about. But I'm going to make this bit roll for a little <laughs> bit longer and not say it. So, so enjoy. So and I want to talk about the magma blobs. And so I found out about them today. Uh, And I'm not making this up. This is as far as I can tell, this is totally legit. This is not like a conspiracy theory or anything along those lines. But there are two giant blobs of something that are under the surface of the earth in the magma section, right? Uh, When you imagine the globe, you know, and you imagine it having kind of concentric spheres of different colors that represent the different densities and materials of the various parts of the globe from the core through the mantle out to the crust that the mantle is not of a uniform density, that there are these two huge blobs. One of them is under the Pacific Ocean and one of them is under Africa. They are the size of continents. They are enormous. The thing that we know about them is that they change the speed of seismic waves that are being just sent around by earthquakes. So we know that they're there because they show up in various sorts of, of imaging related to measuring seismic activity. And they can be graphed and charted, but we don't know what they're made of. Mm-hmm. We don't know what they what they we just know that one little thing about what they do. We don't know why they're there. Mm-hmm. They're vast, like like vaster than vast in terms of the scale of like land masses on the earth They're They're probably they're two of the largest physical structures in the earth. Right. Or on or in the earth. And I've never heard about them. They're entirely unknown and unknowable to most people. And, and you know, it's hundred, at this point, you know, hundreds of thousands of years of humans have come and gone uh, being utterly, uh, utterly ignorant of their existence. Um, and and uh, and that is something where. There's an adequate amount of mystery that I would expect naming them right to be some sort of exercise in pushing the boundaries of language, perhaps. Now, I do think that they have an acronym like the LLVMs or something. I don't even know. I want to call them the magma blobs because that's just a better name for it. And we'll we'll give you a link to see a scan of some of these things. But I think that there's really a couple of different ways of being unknowable, right, or unknown, uh in in a in a signification sort of way in a sort of mystery way in a sort of scope and size sort of way and i think we see a couple of them in operation sort of conceptualization of being so great that like a regular name doesn't fit you like you're prince right and and uh and in your contract dispute you get to use the symbol like an Mm -hmm. appropriate thing is the magma, magma blobs now What I will also say is that in reading about the magma blobs, I have read about the the presence of minerals, common minerals in the mantle of the Earth, which are not possible on the surface of the Earth because they exist uh, in such pressure, right? They require pressure. The the properties of of solids, of various chemical makeups change under such extreme pressure. Uh, and, uh, And this is many, many times lower than, of course, the Titanic sub uh, went before it 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 got got popped, but uh but but one of these unknowable uh, minerals that makes up much of the Earth's mantle, uh they gave it a name very fitting of its uh, its grand scope as a mysterious substance. Oh, by the way, they do show up sometimes on the surface that you can find some sealed inside a diamond sometimes. Wow, is uh, the one place you will find them on the surface of the Earth. Uh, one of these things is called Dave Maoite. It's named after Dave Mao. <laughs> It's so like, which it was a guy who's still alive. He lives in Shanghai. He's from Shanghai. He's a Chinese American uh, researcher in deep high pressure geology. But I just I'm thinking about like, because what we're really talking about is is um, and I guess I want to give I'll, I'll give it one more pause before I say what we're really talking about. Um, is is like you want to name something, and you have this concept. That that naming as an activity has become inadequate for you, for for the activity you're doing, the thing that you're trying to do, and you're trying to figure out some sort of other relationship with language, right, Um, that, that gives you a word or a term or a symbol for the concept you're trying to express, for also the sort of resistance to the taxonomies inherent to language that you feel might frame or constrain what you're trying to do. Uh, and and one of the ways you can do it is you can just name it after dave mao right <laughs> just like this, thing, this thing's named after this guy dave his given name is ho Kwang, but he goes by dave right and uh and he's a nice guy we all love him and he does a lot of deep 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 earth high pressure geology research and he's now like 82 years old and has a has a mineral named after him um or you can you can force it right um it just i, I just i was so interested that like this the scientific names given to the things of such poetical mystery. Uh, such that we would give them much more exotic names if we let the poets be in charge of it, which is probably why we don't, right? So often have really pedestrian sort of names that are just references to places or people or something because, you know, you got to have a system for coming up with names for stuff because you got to come up with so many names for stuff and you don't want to be just another series of pharmaceuticals where you're just mixing various letters. There's there's an activity that mixes letters of the alphabet to name the unknowable in various random huh. permutations.
0: Well, I mean, the the history of naming is is you know, fraught with these, with these things. Um, the, I'm, I'm put in mind of, of Mrs. Waldron's red Colobus, uh, Mm -hmm. which is a, I think a Colobus is a monkey or is a, it's a, I mean, it's a mammal, it's a primate of some kind. Um, and the red, red, uh, Miss Waldron's, Miss Waldron's red colobus was named by its discoverer. It well, its white discoverer, I suppose, because I'm sure other people knew that this, uh, primate existed in Africa before, uh, before Willoughby P. Lowe, uh, came poking around. Uh, but he named it after, uh, he, you know, had the privilege of being able to name it, uh, and gave it, uh, um, It was uh, named after a museum employee, a British museum uh, employee named Miss Fanny Waldron. So, Miss Waldron's red colobus. I like, I I mean, I like that with Dave Mauite. I like how names uh uh what's his name Brian Friel's play Fri- Brian Friel Mr friel's play uh the Irish playwright uh, translations has like stories about uh the names place names in particular that like um mean something you know that mean something that refer to a uh that refer to a history that refer to a story you know and that i the story kind of fossilizes in the name uh, in the name of a thing and and yet it's it's all sort of um you know it's all uh entwined with power relationships because I'm sure before I'm sure d- you know this monkey had a name before the British Museum came a call on um that's uh you know but but I, if
1: you were to speak to the monkey in its own language you wouldn't understand what it was saying right? no you, uh, if you were to speak I'll, the
0: monkey it, in its own language it would say
1: <laughs> it's not the only one man totally totally reasonable response to the condition of finding yourself alive and being talked to <laughs>
0: <"Aah!"> <laughs> There's, um, there's a great, uh, there's a great, uh, poem by John Hollander called Adam's task. Are you familiar Mm. with this poem?
1: I, well, I, I think so much about Adam's curse, the Yates poem, but yeah, <laughs> huh. I,
0: I'm not familiar with Adam's
1: task uh, off the top of my head. And no. it's
0: ba- You know, Adam gave g- gave uh, names to every like uh, beast of the field and bird of the air and every creeping thing which creepeth upon the ground. Right. And so it's a the the poem is a set of. Oh, yeah. Nonsense I <laughs> words. I mean, yep. I could read it. Well, it's like five. Do you want to hear this poem about naming? Yeah. Yeah, yeah about
1: uh, naming things cuz certainly we all could use a little bit of a refresher on how to do it cuz some people some people aren't as good at it as other people.
0: Um Adam's task and so it has an epigraph which is uh, by John Hollander and Adam gave names to all cattle and all fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. Uh Genesis chapter 2 verse 20. And so I'm I'm going to try my best with these names uh in this poem by John Hollander. It's five it's five uh five short stanzas long. Thou paw-paw-paw, thou glurred, thou spotted glurred, thou whitestap lurching through the underbrush, thou pliant-footed implex, thou awagaboo. Every burrower, each flyer, came for the name he had to give. Gay first work, ever to be prior, not yet sunk to primitive. Thou vertel, Thou, McFleary's pama, thou, 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 three types of grawl, thou flisket, thou kabash, thou comma-eared mashawk, thou all, thou all. Were in a fire of becoming, laboring to be burned away, then work, half-measuring, half-humming, would be as serious as play." Thou pambler, thou rivarn, thou greater wheret, and thou lesser one, thou sprawl, thou zant, thou lily-eater. Naming's over. Day is done. Awesome. No, that's an g- awesome poem. Yeah, right? that's great. And the way, the way it does exactly what John Hollander used to teach about, about poetry, which is that poetry is about the way that sounds get conscripted into meanings that they don't necessarily, that they wouldn't necessarily yeah. participate in on their own. And like the way the nonsense, uh, the way the nonsense words, the way you know exactly what the nonsense words are about. Right, like the glurred and the spotted glurred. I know what that is. I, uh, I know what the white step lurching through the underbrush, the, oh, high grown brush. I'm sorry. I was going half from memory and I didn't read the thing right. The high grown brush. Well, okay. even better. Cause the white step obviously is not in the underbrush. It's in the high grown brush, you know? Right. Right. Uh, it's right, on right. the, it's on the savannah. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. So like, uh, the way, you know, the way these sounds kind of get conscripted in meanings and there is a name. There is a, uh, there is a colonizing name in it. McFleary's Pama. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh that's that's really good but um you know the the way that like in in naming in the task um you know in the task of naming right how how important it is to think carefully you know about um the connotations of the sounds and what the, you know, and, and something that you might call you know, uh, if it's a business, something that you might call like brand equity, the the ability of the sounds to kind of connote the meanings that that you want them to connote. And the uh I, I don't know, like the the relationship of these sounds to other sounds and what an awesome, you know, what an awesome responsibility that is to sort of give something its name. Like we've we've had a naming podcast before where we talked about uh we talked about naming children and pets. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gus is standing next to me, isn't that right Gus Gus? Yes. Um naming uh naming like children and and pets and like kind of what an awesome what an awesome responsibility this is and how when you give anything a name or change the name of anything why it's important that it be done carefully and with uh something something like reverence.
1: Yeah. So, so, uh, have you been on X
0: lately? <laughs> there you go. I didn't, that's, that's what I was teeing up. I didn't know if I was gilding, I didn't know if I was gilding, gilding the, the lily, uh, too, oh, no, uh gilding, no. uh, gilding the thou sprawl, thou zant, thou lily eater too much. Uh, but the, um uh, but the, uh, yeah, man. Uh, so Twitter is called X now.
1: Apparently. Yes. Twitter is X. I X, suppose. X
0: marks the spot. Though
1: X is not Twitter. Twitter is X, but X is not Twitter. X is a variety of yeah. no, things. No,
0: X, uh, yeah. X is a hyper reality of, of commerce and idea. <laughs> and I, I don't know. There was a, <laughs> there was an X about, there was a tweet. I have an X who, uh, yeah. <laughs> about it, <laughs> you know, that's, um, so yeah, man, like, like, uh, X cast X cast 23 <laughs> <laughs> let us let us now praise famous X's well right. I first dated in high school the uh no the I mean right like what a what a terrible idea um the the uh the connotations of the letter X are not of of a piece with the connotations of a like a global system of communication in my in my in my humble opinion um or communication and commerce and culture and whatever whatever it's going to be right like uh i don't know what 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 do you think of of the letter x p is it extreme does it mark the spot (laughs) does it name the owl in mr rogers neighborhood what uh you know what what do you think of this of this letter
1: I mean, it is interesting that it's the same letter that applies to both Jesus and pornography,
0: uh-huh. right?
1: Like, like that's you know, God, you know, uh, the the for for God has pitched his palace in the place of excrement, right? <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> um, to put, throw a little more Yates on the fire, um, but uh, but yes, yeah, so I think that that uh, well, the letter X specifically you know, there's so many, there's a bunch of pieces floating around the internet, they'll give you a good history of it, uh, it being this Greek letter that sort of gets carried along in our alphabet uh, because the Greeks added it as sort of a luxury letter because they, they, <laughs> didn't, they didn't need it because they already had, you know, they already had a, a K sound and and they just were following with an X sound, they just wanted something convenient. I will say, here's how I'll talk about the letter X. Before this podcast started, I asked my, my wife uh, who is Uh, an educator and has been for a long time, uh, if she had any sort of special tips, like pro tips involving teaching kids about the letter X. So like, here's, here's a weird thing about the letter X, right? The letter X is, is one of the first lies we tell children. I would say one of the first (laughs) big lies people say that it's like Santa Claus. No, Santa's real. The letter X is uh, the Santa letter X is the first big lie we tell children because we make them memorize that it's the start of words Right. And we make them memorize that. It's the start of, of like words that start with the Z sound, mm-hmm. you know, like like a xylophone. And or or we say we tell them that x-ray, right, that x is the first letter in x-ray. And as such, you know, that that gives you pertinent information about the letter x. It doesn't. Right. Uh, we don't do that for any of the other letters when we're telling people what letters are, or what they do. And what what my wife said was that x is x- Right. That's what it is. And I was like, well, what about xylophone? What about xenon? And she's like, yeah, that's English. Right. Like, that's just that's just like that's just the English language not doing what, you know, it's supposed to do. And, you, and, and really, she expressed a sense of, uh, of frustration with uh, over fixation on exceptions to the point of losing track of the rules uh, that, that it's sort of it's not helpful to focus exclusively on the exceptions when you're trying to teach people like what letters do. Uh, right, and the sort of the corner cases. If you want to start with the the big fat part of the wiffle bat, right? Like of the big red, the big red yeah. bat when you're swinging it at the wiffle ball. Um, I guess not as a wiffle bat. With a wiffle bat, you would use a skinny bat, but y'all want to know you you want to use the fat bat to hit the ball. Um, and and you don't necessarily want to lead with like, well, you know, sometimes X is je, right? <laughs> like something like that. But that that X is 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 a letter that says X, and that it often comes after E. Right. Or after a vowel. And I sure. guess you could say then, well, it's from the, the prefix X, right, um, which is so common in our uh, in our in our language and all that stuff. But it also felt fitting that um, that a, a letter that is taught to that where the where the uh, the lie of it is taught to children before the truth, where the exception of it is more exciting than the rule and where the rule is sort of deprioritized and forgotten. Right. Like nobody teaches you X the way that it is. You learn X in this sort of weird other way. And, and I think that might partially contribute that in its rareness of use uh, and the number of points it's worth in Scrabble um, all contribute to this rarefied sense of the word X. Like I see people say, well, X is the variable, you know, X equals, you know. Uh, f- five y plus six and x is the unknowable thing and it's like well yeah but, <laughs> uh-huh. but i don't i feel like x is also transgressive because it doesn't fit the pattern of the other letters of the alphabet specifically because we don't get taught a thing that credibly starts with x uh because x doesn't start a lot of words in english <laughs> but yet all of these other letters are taught to us in the context of what they start Sure. Uh, which is a weird, I mean, I guess it's helpful and useful to have a very simple uh, heuristic to do it with,
0: but. I mean, what would you say to children, right? Like, X, X is, uh, you know, X is a symbol which, because its sound cannot be represented, must be termed that which is not a sign, right? Like that. Yeah. And then, then a bunch of kindergartners just start crying and like want a snack and a nap time. Well, that's what I was
1: talking about with the Magma blogs, man, which is like there are certain concepts where you start to understand the idea of it being challenging to come up with a symbol for them. But the name of Twitter is not one of them. Uh Right. Like uh, and and also neither are the vast unknowable blobs of seismic reverberating material uh, that float in a eternally dark sea of Dave Malite <laughs> <laughs> deep under the surface of the earth. Those also are too knowable for a signifier, but I don't call them X. Right. Um, so, so, I mean, again, we can also, we don't just poop on it, whatever, whatever his motives are. I mean, didn't he also give a, uh, a sort of non-orthographical name to like his kid?
0: Yeah, there's um, a yeah, there's a lot of it, and I I don't want to yeah. like think about. No, no, that. no
1: we don't want to go into that. But but uh, that I, I'll, I'll ask you this: um, Have you when when was the first time, Matt, that you were writing? I, I, this has to have happened to you because I remember when it happened to me. When you were writing and you realized that your ability to put the words down wasn't keeping up with your desire to communicate and express
0: oh yeah 100 100 pete uh it yeah. was when i learned to write as a five-year-old okay um, okay so okay. every my every elementary school report card pete called mm-hmm. out specifically my abominable handwriting uh Me, mine too yep. except it didn't call it out uh because we didn't call things out in the 1980s uh <laughs>
1: uh, we called them on the phone like normal people on the landline we picked up the (laughs)
0: landline Um, sooner okay (laughs) but the whole uh yeah so from from the very beginning and each uh each teacher had depending on their own particular pedagogical bent and, and their own personality um a different uh kind of explanation right like had a had a sort of different narrative as to why my my handwriting was terrible so in kindergarten as a five-year-old well Matthew's small motor muscles are not uh not big enough you know uh in in are not are not uh you know developed enough to to produce the the letter something similar in in the first grade a second grade i forget that that teacher was crazy the the uh Third grade teacher, a man, um, was, uh, you know, Matthew needs to take time and, and exercise the discipline to write, uh, to write his letters more, more legibly. Um, and then the fourth grader, uh, the fourth grade teacher who was a hippie witch, uh, said, you know, Matthew, In the rush of ideas, he tries to write them all down so fast and the spirit, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak or some, you know, some such. And so like Pete, it's always, it's always been the case that my, uh, you know, until I started typing that my brain moved faster than my, my poor hand could, um, uh, could keep up with. But I learned that if I just write a series of the letter X, uh, <laughs> it can mean whatever I want, and and uh, yeah, um, well yeah. No, I mean you had a similar you had a similar thing. I'm sure. Yeah, I, I, I
1: remember feeling this way because I, I mean you talking about the bad handwriting that identify with that 100 percent because I also had really bad handwriting growing up and continue to have really bad handwriting as an adult, which is great, um, but when I was young and we, we moved into typing like pretty early. So I was a, been a very fast typer since I was, you know, very young. And, uh, and I even wrote stories when I was a little kid with typing rather than with writing more often than not. And, uh, and then there was a point where I got into college and, uh, the wonderful, wonderful Deb Margolins. Do you ever take one of her classes? No, I didn't do uh, any theater classes. in, in a,
0: a, as an undergrad,
1: wonderful theater teacher. And, uh, and practitioner. um, And she, uh, she made us buy um, notebooks and, and do tons and tons and tons of automatic writing. And so I remember kind of sitting with this notebook and writing in it and just feeling really powerfully that I could not keep up with what I wanted to say with writing with my hand. And I think nowadays, it's even worse, like my hand cramps up, yeah. Right. Like I'm just not used to writing longhand at all. I mean, my printmanship got a little bit better when I studied Russian because you have to write in cursive in Russian. It's uh-huh. like mandatory. And Russian cursive has certain advantages, I think, over English cursive in terms of like the flow of some of the letters and, and how they feel. Um, uh, so I would recommend I would recommend it, uh, uh, although, of course, it's also can get very hard to read. But um, but the point being that, like. When you confront that. Problem, Right. Whether it's just the physical, the lack of kind of physical dexterity and speed to do what you're doing, but also even more deeply, the sense that the words aren't keeping up with your thoughts. I think that there is a tempting notion that it's the words that are wrong. Right. Mm. Which is mm-hmm. which is which is part of it. Right. It's part. It's part of recognizing that it is actually difficult to articulate ideas sometimes.
0: Sure. Right.
1: Like sometimes diff- writing is hard. Right. Uh, writing is hard. Talking is hard. We do them all the time, so we don't necessarily think that way. But it's a terribly complicated thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, you know, if you are having difficulty putting together, like, letters and words to say what it is you want to say, I think there's a liberating feeling in the idea that the whole system is just BS. And you should cut the Gordian knot by doing some sort of new thing. And I think that's also a big part of how language just functions is that people get frustrated with the way they're talking or writing being slow or not getting across what they want to think about. And they come up with, you know, elisions and abbreviations and various other phenomena that change the names of words and grammatical changes in order to kind of, uh, you know, wear the ruts into uh, their style of communication. And those things can kind of live with the language over time. But when I think about like, I want to have the letter X be the name of my multi-service technology platform.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think of one of. The, I don't think that there's another word that's cool enough. And what that just tells me is like you haven't done the work to investigate other words, right? And uh. also that like picking picking another word, it's like if you wanted to really do everything, yeah, there's a problem. You can't you can't say everything all at the same time. You have to pick something. Uh, And I mean, this is I feel like I I, I deal with this a lot in my own job where the writing that I do is is very uh, practical uh, and very oriented towards real world problems. Um, Not as much towards the Fast and the Furious, though, you know, you try. Uh, But but that like when you make a choice to use words to describe something, you are by necessity not choosing other words. And so you are arriving at meaning through a process or at least through the effort to communicate a meaning that someone else will pick up through a process that's. Uh, that, that that requires you to take sacrifices, right? Mm-hmm. That requires you to go through that cognitively uncomfortable moment of giving up one of the doors. You know, you heard about that experiment where it's like people will click, there was like people will give up tremendous amounts in simulated negotiations uh, in order to keep options open that are suboptimal options that they don't need, mm-hmm. right? Like people really react negatively to the prospect of losing an option. And I think that when you're trying to, to, to name something, practical you have to make a decision about what it is you're trying to say and that involves giving up some optionality Mm. on what it is the thing that it is doing and so Mm. x i think is is this sort of effort on one hand it's this sort of effort to not not say anything Mm -hmm. right to like avoid leaving anything out like allowing yourself to be everything By picking this xylophone letter that doesn't really fit anything, but it also doesn't say anything. And 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 it doesn't give you a sense for what's going on. Right. And it's also not the first time I know he had the idea a long time ago and he never followed through with it. But like they Google already named themselves Alphabet. Right. Which is not that different Hmm. from this, except that Google didn't just like replace the logo of their most important service with just like the entire Alphabet or the concept of the Alphabet, Right. Yeah, like, sure. It, I mean,
0: name, name, Facebook rebranded themselves as Meta, right?
1: Well, but but I mean, even more specifically, Google by saying their Alphabet has sort of implied we're all the letters. Oh, yeah, we're sure. All the words. Though, of now, course, Google had be, that exomedy where it was like a letter for each service. Right, right? exactly. Like um, that,
0: or or a company uh, for each subsidiary. Yeah, right? yeah. So yeah. like Google was the G in the Alphabet, yeah. right? And they had all this this cutesy nomenclature about it, where like the small companies, uh, the experimental companies, were like the small bets you know, the idea that the business is betting on, on these, these things. So I, you know, I don't know, at least they, they like stoked up some mythology. I see what you're saying about Google and alphabet. I, and the kind of the, the similarity, I feel like they did it better than X, than X has done. Yeah. Um, You know, I
1: I was told that X was going to give it to me, but it is in fact not done. So I have not, I not feel, I feel like, (laughs) <laughs> it is making me lose my mind up in here, up in here.
0: <laughs>
1: and then there was X. Uh, yes. And then there was X. <laughs> you know, it's uh, I, I've heard some descriptions of the Twitter offices these days. Um, it's dark and hell is hot. Right. <laughs> 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 oh
0: dear.
1: No, I, I mean, I could make it. Yeah, it's, it, I'm not I'm going to pause there. I'm, I'm going to not make any more DMX jokes. Uh, Peace be upon him. Um, But
0: I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, I, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in what you're saying that like the decision to call it X is the decision to kind of punt on the issue of calling it something. And like, it doesn't matter that this is that this particular, uh, you know, tech mogul has had this, um, has had this name in mind for something for a long, long time. And is kind of now, you know, it's a domain name in search of a problem, but the, um, you know, but the, the, like, what is, you know, what is the X-ness of what is the X-ness of X? And I think it, I think you're right in that it, like, it's interesting. It's interesting in that it, it, uh, it, it spans from you know pornography to, uh to to divinity, you know, and that uh um th- that that like it is, it is what we use when we have to sort of reach beyond to find a um uh, reach beyond uh what we can kind of conventional conventionally conventional conventionally represent. You know, um, I just note that pornography, uh, etymologically, right, uh, is related to graphos to writing. Right. Hmm. And that pornography is the writing of, of, uh, of porn. I I think of prostitution is prostitution writing. I was going to say it's
1: graphos for writing and porno for porno. For porn. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's some real, yeah, that's some real, um, I am El Nino, which is Spanish for the Nino (laughs) logic. Yes. Uh, may peace be upon him, but the, uh, but yeah, that, that like, um, you know, that, that, uh, but, and, and yet it gives like, and so, so it sort of reaches beyond it's a letter that kind of reaches towards, uh, transcendence, you know, the, the, um, the letter, I don't know if the Greek letter Chi is the first letter in, in Christos. It is. It is. Oh, there you go. It's
1: because that's the, it's the X and then the R, right?
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah. then, okay. So then that's where Christmas comes from, right? Like yeah. it's the, you know, and all the nuns who used to say, oh, no, it's disrespectful. It's like, no, you just don't know Greek, you know? Yeah. Um, the,
1: the, uh, <laughs> you, I mean, they, because the X with the row through it, right, which is the symbol, the Constantine symbol in this sign, will you conquer, is just the, uh, the uh, chi and the row from the beginning of the n- word for the uh, beginning of the Greek translation of the Hebrew word for anointed kings and messiahs. Yeah, right? man. And Ki- yeah.
0: Cairo is not just a city in Egypt. Yeah.
1: <laughs> have you ever, have you ever played XCOM?
0: Uh, uh, no. Oh man.
1: So like, cause not only is it X, right? But it's supposed to be X.com, right? Is the sort of concept he had for, for all these different services, the, sure. the financial service and all this other stuff. XCOM is a, uh, is a, is a video game about leading a small group of, uh, of elite soldiers in a, in a battle against an alien invasion of Earth. And it's like have it involved resource management and tactical turn-based strategy game. Uh, and, uh, and so it's funny that it's like not only is X taken, but XCOM is taken. And, and when we were in school, the XCOM was the executive committee, which was the senior disciplinary body where things would get sent if things went really wrong. And I assume that there are other XCOMs out there, that there are other executive committees Right. That uh, that that have a meaning already. Uh, it's it's one of those things where it's like two other phenomena, two other phenomena come to mind. One of them is that um, when people want to name things, when, when you're looking at words and languages and the words are short, I feel like it's often because somebody got there first with naming the concepts. Right. That like uh, whatever it was that people were doing, that they were talking about, uh, you know, it, the, the short words are the ones that got named pretty early on, and then the longer words got added for some reason later. Although they also often replace other other concepts, right? So like you know, run is like an old word, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, and like you know, uh, 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 you know, <laughs> I was going to say like and DMC jog- joggle, is a new word, came know? later. What's up?
0: <laughs> run, run is an old word. DMC is a new
1: word. Yeah, know? there you go. My Adidas, in fact. But so there's that concept where it's like. I want to come up with a short name because short names communicate not only a sort of simplicity of expression, which is desirable, but also a sense of legitimacy from being around for a long time. Right. Like no one else can name their card company car company Ford because Ford named their company that first like prestigious companies trying to get single letter stock tickers. Sure. Right. As like trying to participate in a sort of retroactive participation in the sort of gold rush of of the alphabet that that happened at some point in the past which is in fact almost it almost feels like a story that's baked into how it all works but isn't really how it worked um and then the other side of it is like a sort of fetishization of case study huh um, i think cuz where it's like you you hear examples of people doing things in business. The case study is a really interesting piece, like genre of literature that I don't think gets enough criticism as a genre of literature, which is like the description of something that a business did. Usually that worked really well, right? So it often suffers from a lot of uh, survivorship bias, right? Because it's like, this is something that worked really well. We don't really know anything about the people who did the same thing and it didn't work. Uh-huh. But uh, but you would have like a, an explanation of like this was the problem the business faced. This is what they did. And and if you're thinking about that or if you're thinking about any sort of like instruction or d- sort of pedagogical description of a phenomena, they often are the most clarified version possible of that phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And I think that because they are the ones that get taught, like super simple, very straightforward, like the pattern is obvious, there's this sense that you – in order to make history – you also want to be like that. So, like, whenever I would teach, I'll use an example from when I would teach improv. Whenever I wanted an example of like a comedy trope, right, um, or a sort of scene structure, or like a behavior uh, for performing in a comedy scene, I would I would default very often to talented, Aristotle.
0: Aristotle. Aristotle. Yeah, the
1: yeah. Knights with Will oh, Fair, sure. because they had a lot of really very very simple you know, the scene where he stabs himself in the leg with a knife. And I think I've talked about on the podcast before is one of my favorite scenes to use to kind of describe this concept. And then like just sort of plays through the reality of having stabbed himself in the knife and everybody screams. Right. And like uh, um, it's not complicated. It's easy to to describe what he's doing. Right. Uh, But that doesn't mean that every best story is going to involve somebody stabbing themselves in the leg with a knife. Right. Like that does just because something is simple enough just because there are things that are simple that are in our conception and give this sort of pride of place in history because of their simplicity, uh, the, simpl- the, per- the reason the simplicity informs the pride of place is not just because it was effective, it's it's because it's easy to remember and talk about. And so if you think that you need to achieve this simplicity because you want to be in the history books um, you, you got to remember that like a lot of things that work are very complicated, right? Like, 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 like those things, they may not necessarily have, have worked for, for, uh, worked better than ones that were more complicated and are harder to explain, right? Like, like it's, it's, there are other situations that work just as well or better that are harder to explain and thus don't come up in history as much. Uh, you know, and, and I think that, a lot of times people take this kind of personally in ways that's not appropriate. It's like, well, why do we talk about this? And we never talk about that. And it's like, well, this is really simple and that's really complicated. (laughs) And they're the same thing. So, uh, so that's one reason is is that, uh, is that it would be, take a long time for me to get somebody to understand the cute concept I'm trying to get across. If I use that, right? Like how come everybody, nobody talks about Chuchesco anymore. And it's like, it's pretty complicated, man. (laughs) Like that's even spelling. It's complicated, but like, It's a complicated situation. Um, And yeah, I wonder if if I were thinking, if I'm imagining why I would name my business X, it might be because I want people to talk about me. You know, I want and not just in the sense of create buzz. I want like people. I want to be one of the big stories of sort of elegant business success that get used as example for others. And the fact that I carried out the concept of like a simple and memorable brand to its most extreme possible conclusion well yeah but it's like an instrumental good not a good for its own sake right it's only as you it's only as good for you as useful as it is uh and, and i and i wonder how useful this is versus how sort of fetishizing the notion of being remembered um uh which of course this is a lot of people's livelihoods so yeah
0: like- well right and as a as a practical matter uh, well, fewer and fewer people's livelihoods, right? It's sort of a skeleton crew operating that company now. But, That's like, true. the, um, you know, as a practical matter, it's hard to think of a brand with more, uh, recognizability, right? Than the bird, you know? And it was yeah. like f- just free marketing for days because everybody, every journalist, every brand in their Super Bowl commercial, everybody just used it, you know, just used, uh, that as like the channel that you could, that you could sort of find them reach them at and uh, you know, send the messages or interact with them or what, you know, I don't know, whatever you did. Um, and to, to sort of incinerate all of that, you know, in the name of, in the name of like this new thing, you must think the new thing, you must either have not recognized what you had or not thought it was important or like thought the new thing was so good, right? Like was so, yeah. so cool. And so, um, you know, consequential, right. That it was gonna, uh, you know, revolutionize everything. It was going to blow the game, blow the whole game wide open, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like vaping, <laughs> like vape, like talk about, a talk about a rebrand, right? Like, like I was thinking first of Altria, but I was like, no vaping as a rebranding of smoking is, is such a, it's, I mean, that's, that's something, right? Um, but like, yeah, it's, I don't want to go into sort of historical business cases of rebrands and stuff like that. Cause that's not the point. I'm just, the point is just what's the soul of this thing. I mean, we talk about the fast, and the furious all the time and yes, like the fast, and the furious movies aren't really about street racing teenagers, stealing DVD players anymore. And, and, and of course that's something that people will periodically have a problem with, but like, yeah, I mean, would it be the, better if the, the movie was just called X, Instead of fast X, right?
0: well, like, no, because you can't have one. You can't have just one X in a Vin Diesel movie. The only way is to have three X's and call <laughs> it triple
1: X. And we also already know X. Uh, well, because that's that's another example, right? Is is uh, Malcolm X? Sure. Right. And, the, uh, and the,
0: also- there's a seminal Los Angeles punk band named X. Oh, okay. You know, seminal. Sem- yes, they were seminal. Were they Seminoles? They were Seminoles, yeah. They were. Oh, wow! Uh, That's they came a long
1: way. Uh, <laughs> I were, guess, I they, guess were migra- they took the Their
0: migratory patterns, but they had there punk migratory patterns. They yeah. just flew in any direction their wings wanted.
1: But even in that case, like the idea of changing your name to X is is also, in that sense, actively projecting the idea that the previous name had something wrong with it, right? Like like that you're you're drawing attention to the fact that you've changed it. Uh, and, uh, but, and that you haven't replaced it with something that erases and, or overwrites its memory, right? Like you, uh, it, the, the movie isn't called, you know, uh, El-Haj, El-Malik Shabazz. It's called Malcolm X, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, if I got that wrong, I apologize. But yes, it's, um, calling it X is, is not, not calling it Twitter. I mean, maybe they took a page from Blackwater calling itself J, Uh, because that might be a reason you would do it, right? It's like, well, people have very negative content of negative association with Twitter. They complain about it all the time. They call it a hell site. No business that operates on the internet wants to be referred to casually as hell by its users all the time, unless you're like selling insane clown posse tickets or something. Right? Like (laughs) unless, uh, I mean, I guess probably there's some angle on it, but it's like, yeah, maybe people just don't like it and they want to rebrand it, but I don't know, man. It's, uh, the X isn't doing what we think that it is doing. Mm. Right. Um, and, and, and yeah. I guess it also, you, you know, keep, you
0: keep, you keep using this letter. I do not think it means <laughs> what you think it means. Yeah.
1: And it's so weird to see it as the logo, um, for the, for the site when you, when you try yeah, well, to use it,
0: it's completely not, it's, it's grafted on, like it's not of a piece with the, the whole rest of the, yeah. uh, the whole rest of the design. I mean, I don't know. It's just, uh, uh yeah, it's, it just seems bad, like a, a bad idea, poorly executed. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha executed what do you think about the washington commanders um i think the washington commanders are all right i think the uh the cleveland guardians is a much better yeah rebrand like you know it scans the same as the old uh name it connects to something to, it connects to something local, and the you know, like a point of pr- pride. It gives a great logo, you know, because those Art Deco statues are great. I mean, I, I think the Washington Commanders just to me calls calls to mind the who did the who do the the Globetrotters play the Washington Generals? Oh yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Right. So it it uh calls to mind this like clown car of a like uh, cultural satire. You know, that's that's supposed to be ridiculous. And so that's what I uh, that's what I associate the Washington commanders with.
1: I really liked the Washington football team as a name for them. I'm like the one person who thought that was like,
0: just keep that. That's
1: great. It just, everyone's frustrated with it. It's awesome. You know what it does? It tells everybody what you are. You're the Washington football team. That's what you are. Right. And it's not like other teams around the world don't do that. I was trying to explain because we were watching. I know we haven't podcasted about Ted Lasso yet because I haven't been able to finish the season because um, uh, it's a it's a we show, not a me show. And it's it takes a little bit of work to get through it. Um, you know, it's emotionally charged. and because, when really of
0: the, because of the crying, you mean because of the crying? Well, I mean, it's a lot about divorce,
1: yeah, and that's a little bit stressful. Like, I like my marriage a lot, and it makes me really sad to
0: think. Well, it's it, like, it doesn't, Pete. I, I don't. know. I'm glad I get to be the guy to tell you this, but like in in uh, dramatic representations of divorce, y- you don't have to get divorced yourself. <laughs> in yeah.
1: much the same way that I don't have to like actually drive a car out of a skyscraper and off of a cliff. <laughs> Right. Like, um, no, and I, and I, it's funny, just, I just get a lot of sympathy and I cry a lot, you know, when I'm watching that show. And so like, if the day has been difficult, I'm not likely to watch that show. But, but I, the point was that, you know, my wife, Sarah asked me why they put AFC in their name uh-huh. and nobody else does, you know? And I was like, well, I mean, and I looked it up. I was like, oh no, they all have FC or AFC in their names. Sure. But they just leave it out for expediency's sake. So like the Washington football team feels like of a piece with that tradition. But of course, if you're not aware of that tradition or don't know anything, you know, not even informed about it, then it doesn't mean anything. Uh, and I guess that's part of the other thing is that you don't get necessarily always get to choose. There's a there's an interesting phenomenon like this in, in Magic the Gathering where um, – I don't know if, I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but you've ever played Magic Gathering,
0: Matt? Well, I mean, as a, in its earliest uh, incarnations, you know, in the yeah, very Yeah, so this, is, this goes
1: all the way back to 93, 94. Yeah. So there, uh, in the Arabian Nights expansion, uh, you know, this, this is a card game where you have creatures that fight each other and wizards that cast spells at each other. And that's all you really need to know for the sake of this story. But there was a creature printed where when the creature, like, shows up in the game, uh, it kills another creature immediately. Um, and this was, this was called because it was a current cultural reference as well as because it was, you know, kids and teenagers playing the game. This was called one, eight, seven by okay. the playing public, right? Like, which is of course, a uh, uh, code for a police officer being shot, right? From well, famous think, rap songs anyone
0: being shot, anyone
1: being shot. Okay. Oh yeah. Cause the song is one, eight, seven on a cop. Uh, yeah so it's
0: like that's that's like a murder on a cop yeah
1: yeah yeah but it was like 187 okay so again i'm i'm not I'm, I'm not familiar with the real thing only with like the cultural echoes and so um years later you know i read a piece by the designer It was like you got to name things yourself because if you don't give them a name people will give them a name for you yeah and of course it's like we were making a children's toy we did not want it to have like murder right like i mean again now there's a card named murder that you can play but like 187 <laughs> 187 is not what we wanted to have associated with it but we didn't give it a punchy name right we didn't give it a name that resonated and so people were going to come up with their own name um, and I think that the assumption that you control your name and you because there's a craft to controlling your name there's an art to it and a craft to it and it does involve kind of proactively not only coming up with a name that is actually going to work right like understanding that other people are going to have influence on what you're called so you get ahead of them and you give them a name that they would adopt right you test it in front of people and see if they like it. I'm sure. I wonder if they tested this. Right? This
0: this reminds me, Pete, of a of a, a kind of a concept in Catholic theology called reception. Okay, um, the idea being that like doctrines of the Church must be received by the faithful, that there's a kind of experiential ratification. So you can't, you can't just say like, Hey, you know, uh, I don't know. On Thursdays, we, we like give our dog a bath. And that's now a, a tenant of Christianity yeah. or something like that. Like that's yeah. not right. You can't, you, you can't can do that. <laughs> no, you can, but it will have no reception. Uh, by the faithful. Now, the, the, the people from whom I, I learned this were, you know, left leaning American Catholics who, who had kind of an interest in, in performing a kind of like theological nullification on certain, uh, you know, on certain, um, doctrines of the Catholic right. Church. So it's not, it wasn't done without, you know, some, some sort of interest. But like, I do, this is something that we, you know, Uh, this is something that we used to talk about on the, the, the TFT podcast that like certain ideas, certain events, certain identities, you know, in music, um, that we were talking about, like have to be kind of culturally ratified. Uh, you know, like I can't, I can't call myself a a hip hop artist, you know, I'm like, a am like a, a piano singer songwriter type of artist. I just can't, I can't just call myself that, right? Like there has to be like a, a ratification of that in order to confer legitimacy on the claim that I'm trying to make about, you know, about myself and, and, uh, about what I do. So like, that's, um, you know, what, what you're saying is, is similar with naming, right? Like you can, you can call it, uh, you know, I don't know. You can call it facial tissue, you know? Uh, but like I, everyone else is going to call it a, a Q-tip or no, no, I got that. I got that around. <laughs> no,
1: wrong, everyone around. else is going to call it a, a Xerox. Right? Oh, right, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Z with an X or Kleenex with an X. Um, yeah. Oh man. The, um, <laughs> I was just thinking of something. And then I started thinking, what could I call this thing other than Kleenex to make the joke work? And then I totally blanked on what I was going to say. Um, oh, you know what it reminds me of is Woodstock. Mm-hmm. Um, Woodstock is a great example of this, right? Is, which is like Woodstock, of course, is the name of a town. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it becomes the name of the music festival because there's a, you know, the music festivals happened there. And then there's this experience this particular historically notable music festival that happens in Woodstock, and that becomes the sort of meaning of Woodstock, and then the word Woodstock adopts the sense of culture and uh, associate with it, and, and art and free love and all this stuff that's bound up in the idea of Woodstock, and then uh, and then there's other Woodstocks, right? Like which which is the one? I'm, I've been I've been frantically googling which one is the worst one. Uh, was it Woodstock '99? Was that the one where like a whole bunch of trucks got set on fire because bottled water was like $8 or yeah, something something like that. Uh, $4 per bottle, which 97 at the time maybe I forget. Uh,
0: yeah. Or did they yeah. try to have like annual woods stock and that, uh, I, yeah. I think
1: after this one they had to stop doing it. I think that there were like, um, there's a truck that ran through the audience. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So like if, uh, if, um, if, if you have a particular thing and something horrible happens, uh, then it changes the name of the thing. This this is related to the concept of reception, I would say, in the sense that, like, the way that the concept is lived uh, will then further echo in terms of what it means, right? Because the initial expression is a language expression that's followed then by kind of an interpretation and then another language expression and another interpretation. Um, and just, like, feeling like you can cheat that seems vain. Uh, feeling like you can cheat the cycle of, like, I named my thing something and I have to rename it something else and other people are going to call it something based on what I rename it. I'm just going to like get out of that. I'm just going to flee that. I'm going to like say not play that game. The only way to win is not to play Um, because it doesn't seem playful. Like I would have, what would you, what would you have renamed Twitter if you had to rename
0: it? I wouldn't have renamed Twitter. I mean like that's, that's the thing. Like the name, it's just so, it has almost universal global brand recognition, mm-hmm. right? Its symbol is a bird, so you don't even need to be literate to uh, understand, you know, to understand something about it. It's, uh, it just was so, um, so powerful. Uh, you know, setting aside, begging entirely the question of whether it was a good or bad product, whether it was a good or bad business, whether it was, you know, lived up to its potential whatever that you think that potential was or should have been um you know the 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 recognizability of it was uh near near universal and so just i i i wouldn't have uh i wouldn't have renamed it something you know something like that i mean i guess like i guess something i don't know you're the brainstormer not me but something in the direction of like town square you know or like bulletin board or notice board or you know uh, conversation, um, uh, cacophony, maybe shorten it to caca. Uh, yeah. and that's, uh, <laughs>
1: I cock on it. Yeah, yeah.
0: I cock on it, which is, yeah. you know, uh, honestly about what the, about what the, the, um, level of the discourse was there sometimes.
1: Yeah. I feel like you have to do something else, just slapping a new name on it without changing what it does or making even sort of a token effort at communicating the idea that it does something different. Did did that even happen? I, I blocked it. Yeah, him. no.
0: I mean, they started a you no. Know, they started a subscription program so that white supremacists could uh, amplify their reach. I mean, that so they really did uh-huh. change what uh, what. Well,
1: they'll the never reach as deep as Dave Mao does into the heart, of-
0: <laughs> into the heart of the into the you know heart of heart of the earth itself. Pete, we might need to leave uh, our conversation there. Um, uh, it, you might say it's an ex conversation
1: there we go that
0: that we've had thank you very much yep. for podcasting with me thank you to everybody for uh listening and uh we'll be back next week for overthinking it uh for the overthinking podcast until then you can visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably, it
1: probably
0: doesn't, doesn't exerment
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> da da da
1: da 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 da. Da da Do do I mean, that's us, right? That's a, that's our theme song. <laughs> yeah, abso- oh, absolutely.